The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show. And before we get started, um, I have to talk about something. I just, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I just left the Senate uh, floor where they were voting to ratify the United Nations Convention, the United Nations Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities, uh, and it was voted down. I mean, I am shocked. What this is, there are children throughout the world, some killed because they have a disability. Here the disability community tried to do something about it, but there was this thing about, oh, it's the United Nations and we don't want to do anything with them. And But I am here to tell you, hear me now, we will not give up. We've been fighting for this for years and we're not going to go away and we're going to fight for justice and freedom. And the president had a statement read in support of this. Bob Dole, Senator Dole, Republican, was there to be honored and asked for this to go through. Senator McCain, Republican, was there in support. So this was bipartisan. I'm sure we'll be hearing from some people about this later on. But you know what we needed? We needed someone audacious. That's what we needed. That's why you're going to love my guest today. I love him. He is speaker, park ranger, former park ranger, author, um, wonderful person, someone that could probably motivate anyone at any place at any time, one of my favorite people. Welcome to the show, Michael Leach. Thank you, Joyce. I could not be more excited and stoked to be here. Aloha from the beautiful Garden Island of Kauai. And uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled. This is a a tremendous honor and privilege to be on your uh, groundbreaking show and span these multiple time zones from Hawaii to D.C. And I have to admit I was a little disappointed when I got bumped in late October and received news (laughs) that someone from the White House would be joining you uh, instead. And as a former high school basketball coach and hoopster, I can tell you with all sincerity that it was the first time in my life that I was proud to be benched. So uh, I'm thrilled to be here with you today. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to have you. And as I already indicated, Michael is a very accomplished young man. Trust me, you'll never meet anyone like him. And you know how I am. You know, I like you or I don't like you. <laughs> I love this guy. I love him. Um, but first, I'm going to start with Yellowstone because I know how much you love Yellowstone National Park. So let's start there with what you did at Yellowstone. 
Well, you know, ever since I was a young man, Joyce, uh, I've had a real fascin- fascination with the enigmatic wonders and spirit of Yellowstone National Park. And I have multiple generations of history in, in Wyoming. I myself was born in North Idaho and, and spent most of my, my youth, my first 21 years in North Idaho and, and the Seattle, uh, Washington region. But we, we traveled back to Wyoming frequently to visit family and just always had a great passion for, for Yellowstone. And it was when I was uh, 19, 20 years old, I went through a, a real ma- uh, transformational period in my life. Um, it was the time that I was uh, diagnosed with uh, ankylosing spondylitis. I was in the middle of, of trying to launch what I hoped would be a, a fruitful and successful college basketball career. And, uh, you know, the, the rug was pulled out from, from under me. You know, my life was, was changed pretty drastically, pretty, pretty quickly. And it was uh, Yellowstone where I really rediscovered that fire and passion um, for, uh, you know, pursuing my dreams. And, and in this case, it was the dream of wearing the green and gray as a ranger in Yellowstone National Park. And so it was in 2002, a few years after I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, that I put myself in the right place at the right time. And after sharing this dream with people of, of essentially putting on the pinstripes, as we would call it, uh, in terms of the, the, the park service world, because playing uh, for working in Yellowstone National Park as a ranger is akin to playing for the Yankees at the major league. And many people poo-pooed that dream, but uh, I put myself in the right place at the right time and um, was hired in 2002 as a ranger naturalist in Yellowstone National Park and went on to have a a pretty uh, dynamic and and successful career with the Park Service for seven years and ultimately had the the, the very uh, unique and um, blessed opportunity to serve as one of the park's bear education rangers my my final two seasons. So I've got a deep connection there there in Yellowstone and, and, as you know, love to continue to take people out of all walks of life, whether it be on a wildlife tour or a fly fishing adventure, and, and certainly young people and, and get them inspired and connected to, to the dynamic nature that is Yellowstone. Right. Well, I have to say that what I really uh, learned from you, Michael, is I've always loved Yellowstone, but you really see it in almost a spiritual way, Yellowstone National Park. And you just had an appreciation for that, you know, that a lot of people don't see it that way, um, for, you know, preservation and just every aspect of it. And I'm going to assume, did your mother have an influence on this? Yeah, my my mom certainly had an influence on it. You know, I, 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 you know, I have such a... A love and fascination for for everything to do with Yellowstone, and my my mom certainly uh, helped influence that at a young age. Now, you um, and then I want to ask you another question about your work there. But you talked about your disability. What, yes. what is your disability? Can you explain it to our listeners? Um, yeah. So when when I was when I was younger, I, I struggled uh, through school. Uh, for me, going to school each and every day was akin to putting my hand on a, on a hot burner because I had to experience what uh, millions of young people throughout the country and all, all over the world have to feel, which is sadly uh, all too familiar uh, of a feeling for those who struggle with learning disabilities, which is a feeling of uh, inadequacy. Uh, and you know, I, I struggled in the classroom, and it wasn't until uh, high school 
that um, we, I was tested for a learning disability, and uh, it came back that I had a form of dyslexia, and I had reading and uh, math comprehension issues where I had to um, really utilize the, the, the legislation that's been passed that's benefited people with disabilities to uh, get, through, get through a really challenging time uh, when I was a high school student. So um, that's the, the learning component. And then when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a, on an autoimmune disorder, uh, ankylosing spondylitis, which is essentially a form of arthritis. And I, it had certainly, uh, you know, been, been uh, challenging and, and brought, me, brought me to my knees at times. But, but as you know, and you've spent many a day in the field with me in Yellowstone National Park, I, I, I do everything I can to, to not let it hold me down. But uh, th- this, this last 12 months, this last year has definitely been, been a challenging period in that regard. And so it, I, I really utilize, uh, you know, the power of places like Yellowstone, I think, during these, these periods, because I'm a tremendous believer in the power of place. Um, you know, and so I, I certainly feel like we can find that power all, all over the globe. You know, I've experienced that gravitational pull uh, when surfing waves here at Kalapaki Beach in Kauai or hiking and exploring the Red Rock country, country of southern Utah. Uh, but as, as you expressed so beautifully, I certainly believe that there's a spirit uh, to Yellowstone National Park and the greater Yellowstone ecosystem uh, that, that's unlike any I've experienced anywhere, anywhere else. And, and I find it to be a very uplifting and empowering spirit. You know, Michael, I'm glad how you describe that about globally, how this impacts us globally, because you heard me at the beginning of the show how upset I am about uh, the United States Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities not being ratified on the Senate floor today, because as you well know, I'm living with epilepsy. There are children throughout the world with epilepsy who are killed and who are shunned, and we could change that. And I think, hold on, I have a caller on the line. David, are you on the line? Hello, do we have a caller on the line? Joyce? Yes. Hi, it's David. Hey, David, how are you? I'm fine. I'm sorry if it's noisy. I'm trying to get into a quiet corner here uh, near the Capitol uh, so we can have a little chat. Well, this is David Morrissey, and he, too, who is a leader on usage, was sadly on the Senate floor uh, today to see this happen. Um, Although, let me make it clear to you folks, we're not going to give up. I don't care where you're listening. We are not going to give up. And if you have children, any relative with a disability, you better go look up what your senator did today. David, go ahead. What do you want to say about this? Well, Joyce, today's a day of profound disappointment to the American and world disability communities. We had a coalition of over 300 disability organizations led by people with disabilities, led by parents of people with disabilities, led by our allies, led by veterans, all in agreement that ratification of the disability convention was the right thing for the United States to do. Unfortunately, we had an opposition movement that's based on misinformation, non-truths about the Disability Convention and what the Senate package for ratification entailed, and they um, really whipped up the frenzy of um, an anti-UN movement in this country that, uh, um, you know, 
was so loud in the last few days that, unfortunately, we had some senators who were not brave enough to stand up for truth, but rather fell to intimidation. And the day that a minority, such as Americans with disabilities, we know we're less than 15% of the population, so there's no way that when you're fighting against uh, a Tea Party movement and an audience of uh, Glenn Beck or uh, Mike Huckabee, both of whom uh, alerted their audiences to call the Senate to oppose this treaty, again, based on half-truths and misinformation. And as a minority, the day that a, uh, a mob mentality intimidate senators from doing the right thing is a sad day for minorities in America and a dangerous day for American discourse when our country is looking to secure the civil rights of our fellow citizens. Oh, I agree. And we have a new uh, young leader on the show today. Michael Leach is my guest today who's listening as we're speaking um, and we are going to engage him and everyone in this country. We are not giving up. We will not give up. But this we will time, we up. just have to have our voices heard louder. That's right. Uh, we are coming back on this issue in the next Congress, I promise you. That coalition I mentioned of disability groups, it's not going away. It's not dissolving. If anything, the experience of building this coalition has made the disability community stronger. We've built new allies. A new generation of leaders are engaging on this issue. And the relationships between the disability and veterans community, for example, is stronger than ever. And so this new solidarity is going to be bringing this issue back. We have Senate champions both Republican and Democrat, who are not going to let this issue go away. But I do need to be clear, all of the Democrats voted with us today. It was a split within the Republican Party. We had some who were brave enough to do it right, and we had some who were afraid to. Well, as a woman living with epilepsy, former chair of the Epilepsy Foundation, present chair of AAPD, I have three words for those of you that voted this down. Shame on you. Shame. Shame. And we will not go away, and we will be in 100% support of making this happen. We aren't timid. We're not to be pitied. We're going to go out there. We just want justice for everyone, including people throughout the world. And, David, it is an honor for us to have you as our leader. Oh, it's an honor to have you uh, leading us and being a voice for us on this radio show, Joyce, and continuing to get that message out. You've had me on before where we talked about the fact that the United States is in compliance with the CRPD. The package that the Senate was voting on today required no changes to U.S. law. This was not breaking new ground. This was reaffirming the United States' commitment to equality for people with disabilities. And I think one thing that scared our opponents was that it also connected us to the world community in a new, important way. The disability rights movement around the world has been inspired by people like you, Joyce, the American disability movement, that they have seen lead our country to pass important laws like the Americans with Disabilities Act. This treaty was our opportunity 
to join them in global solidarity, affirming that humans with disabilities are equal members of society. It's a sad day that we had members of the Senate who couldn't make that simple statement. Agreed. Shame on you. We're not going away, David. I am in 100% support of you, and we'll be talking about this nonstop, making sure everyone knows who did not vote for this. That's right. And thank you for calling in, David. It's been my pleasure and an honor to speak to you and your audience. And uh, if I can put one plug in, visit our website at usicd.org. We uh, right now we are getting together uh, updates and uh, reports on how the vote went, and you'll find all the information about today's set of proceeding there. But until that's up, you can already access the accurate real story about this treaty and the real story about the American experience of joining the world community with disability rights. All right, before you hang up, one more time, that website? That website is USICD.org. That stands for the United States International Council on Disabilities. Thank you. Hey, lead on, David. Lead on, Joyce. Thank you. All right. Well, as you can see, Michael, I bet you didn't think you were going to call on such a really important day. No, it, it sounds like it's a groundbreaking day. It makes me all the more excited to be here with you today. Well, that that's certainly why we, got need, me. We, we need you, Michael. Well, I'll tell you, that got me all fired up, and, and I certainly, you know, am, am uh, new to the to the world of uh, disability advocacy, but, but certainly not to sharing a message of, of what it means to be audacious, and I, I don't believe there's any more audacious uh, in, group of individuals out there than, than the, the disabled community, and I couldn't be more revved and fired up right now to, to get this ball rolling with you and to launch what I, I believe is going to be a very powerful powerful team to go out there and, and speak on the behalf of uh, Americans and, and global people living with disabilities and, and just the, the audacity that that, that that really takes. So we're Well, gonna... actually, I'm going to skip right down to okay. that because... I'm thinking we're going to be having uh, some really famous people, call, leaders in the disability community calling in. So let's move down. Michael, you do this training on being audacious, and I assume you will do this for not-for-profit and for-profit companies. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's that's right. You know, well, um, why don't you, know, you talk about it? Tell tell everyone about it. So you know, our our mission with the Be Audacious brand is to inspire a movement. You know, with the mission of inspiring people to pursue their passion, live a life that matters, and and ultimately change the world. And it's a motivational and environmental segment of my Be Audacious brand. And I work with both nonprofits and for profits. And I share simple but very powerful methods and concepts that can help empower young people to believe in their ability to live a life that matters and ultimately inspire a legacy. Uh, you know, I, I, my target audience tends to be high school and college, college students, but you know, I speak to coaches, educators, uh, and administrators about the powerful concepts that can be used to inspire youth to action. And more recently, after going through a very challenging year and uh, being brought to my knees at one point by this autoimmune disorder and spending eight months in a, a walking boot cast this year and being inspired by your important, impactful, and powerful work, uh, I've begun the process of embracing my physical challenges and, and develop, developing an audacious message to share with young people struggling with the emotional, physical, and social challenges of uh, living with, with disability. And, and I think for me, uh, I think it's, it's often very difficult for people to talk about 
their disabilities. That was certainly a challenge uh, on my end, you know, and I believe that, uh, you know, having been diagnosed with both a learning disability and an often debilitating autoimmune disorder, I know firsthand the, the mental burden of living with challenges unique to those of us who struggle with any number of disabilities and, and how this far too often can end up defeating and defining a person and especially young people. And as a young man, uh, in my late teens and 20s, I felt shame about both my learning disability and my physical limitations. And I saw my struggles as a weakness that limited my employment opportunities and that were best hidden from my peers and, and employers. And, and so I really, I was in denial of my physical challenges with AS for a long time and was never comfortable sharing my learning disability with others. But now that I've stopped denying it, I want to talk about it because the population that is not disabled needs to learn about the struggles that those who live with disability face each and every day and, and for, on a personal level because my disabilities aren't very visible people don't people tend to minimize you know them and, and they will never fully understand uh, what it's like to live with the disability but I think with greater awareness we can create a more compassionate culture where people can share their struggles without a stigma and I think this is one of the greatest reasons why so many people struggle to talk about their disability is there's a, a fear that I certainly had experienced of being stigmatized socially and in the workplace. And, and the fact of the matter is that often it's, it's not the disabled person that struggles to share their, their story as much as it is the general public who seems uncomfortable when someone shares their struggles. And, and I believe that uh, you know, this leads to many of us internalizing what otherwise could be a very uh, empowering experience. So that's what I hope to do with the, the, the Be Audacious message is, you know, inspire uh, people struggling uh, with, with challenging situations with disabilities, young people uh, to become guardians of this big, rugged, watery planet Earth and, and to uh, go out there and, and pursue their passion uh, to live a life that matters and, and together to change the world. Well, Michael, I think we needed, you were a park ranger, and you did uh, a lot of work with grizzly bears. I remember yep. that tattoo on yeah, your yeah. leg of a paw. And I think we needed that grizzly bear today on the Senate floor. As you know, David Morrissey just called in. You heard me at the beginning of the show talk about what happened today. Yeah. Um, and I think we have another caller on the phone. Uh, Cornell, are you on the phone? Yeah, yes, I am. Uh, Cornell, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Oh, actually, I'm doing well considering the circumstances. I'll yes. say that. Yes. Well, we have Michael Leach on the phone as my guest today who is going to help us because he is a great motivational. He is a person with a disability, but he's going to get out there and help us. Um, right, Michael? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right. I'm all fired up. All right. So, Cornell, what do you want to talk about with uh, – with that terrible thing that happened today, well, you know, it, 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 I, I really had to, uh, um, you know, after, after hearing the, the debates and hearing uh, Senator Kerry speak and and hearing uh, um, the, you know, Senator Kyle and I believe Senator Shelby uh, on the uh, um, on the the nay side, you know, uh, bringing their objections, and then seeing a vote, it, it, I really had to um, take a moment and compose myself because my brother is a veteran of the first Iraq War and he is. Um, wheelchair bound for the rest of his life, and my wife uh, have, has epilepsy. So it, it, it really affected me to see, you know, the Senate, um, you know, uh, not vote uh, or, or vote to not ratify, you know, this, this treaty, which, you know, is, is really pretty simple and 
and to the point of saying, hey, we want to provide the same kind of protections uh, that the ADA provides. Uh, you know, here in the United States, we want to provide that for, you know, U.S. citizens all over the world. And in doing that, we want to also encourage other, you know, nations that don't have the kind of protections that we have here, we are grateful to have here. We want to encourage other, other nations to do the same and to, you know, see, uh, you know, the Senate not ratify this treaty was, it was really disheartening. And uh, it, it really just, uh, um, I think, hammered home to me how important it is for people, um, you know, like your guests to actually be involved because, you know, anybody can, can get angry, anybody can get upset and, and, and react, and that's not actually what's going to really make a change is people being involved from the very beginning and throughout the whole process, not just after something happens and reacting to it. So, you know, uh, while this was definitely a setback, I see this as a call for people in general to be more involved and be involved from the very, you know, uh, ground level uh, up to the, you know, the upper echelon of power, if you will, and just be involved throughout the whole process. That's right. Starting right now. If you're not on board, get on board. Because starting right now, listen to me, my audience of people with disabilities, we're not going to go away, as David Morrissey said. This is far from over. We are going to, as Tony Quello says, speak up, speak out. As Michael Leach, our guest, says, we're going to be audacious. We're not going to stop. But you've got to get involved right now. You've got to get involved now. You heard Davis Morrissey talk about uh, getting involved with USID, and uh, we are blessed to have Cornell with the Epilepsy Foundation. And you know, Cornell, being that I live with epilepsy also, I know that there are countries that kill children with epilepsy. Absolutely. So this really hit me hard. Um, but we're not going to give up. And also, Cornell, thank you for your leadership. Uh, you know, Joyce, I, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to, to be, on, uh, be on the show. And, and, and I thank you uh, for your leadership and for the advocacy that you've been doing for so long, you know, alongside Tony to uh, not only help, you know, the epilepsy community and also the disability community at large because, you know, it is people like you that encourage other people to, you know, get involved and to know that it doesn't take a lot. It really just takes time and takes, you know, caring about it and takes asking questions and saying, hey, how can I be involved? What can I do? And people like yourselves uh, are absolutely um, a really great tribute to what it means to be involved and what can be done when you do get involved. Oh, thank you. You know what? Lead on. Lead on. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So, Michael, look, I guess you're just recruited into the disability community. As I said, what a day that you just happen to be on. But, you know, with you, it always seems everything, there's a plan. You know that? Well, I, I, don't, I think, you know, the stars line up. My mom always tells me that everything everything happens for a reason. I remember one day when I was um, at a very low point. This was when I was a, a university student in college, and I was uh, I was in a walking boot cast. I was uh, struggling, struggling with my ankylosing spondylitis. I was struggling with my learning disability. I didn't feel as smart as the other students. And, and then I went from being this uh, college-bound athlete to really, really struggling physically, and, and it created a lot of emotional challenges and, and difficulties, and I, I went through a, a period of depression. And I remember my mom coming to my side, and uh, and she said, "Michael, people who haven't struggled bore me." 
And I can tell you right now, uh, you, 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 Cornell, David, people who have been in this movement, people who have struggled with any kind of disability, you can never call us boring. That's for sure. And I, and I certainly believe that uh, there's a flip side to everything and, and the flip side to today's uh, devastating news in regards to the, the global effort to uh, work on the behalf of uh, disabled people and to provide a, a level playing field. The, the flip side of this would be that I, I think we're going to be more audacious than ever and inspire a, 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 a much greater movement, uh, not, to, not to replace but to rebuild, to continue to inspire young people to become uh, a part of this movement because I think it's clear that we need a new surge in this movement right now, and I think young people can, can be just the, that, that, those voices and that, uh, that surge, that wave that we need. So, and I'm honored and to, to, be, uh, to be here with you and to be in the presence of such remarkable people is, is just the whole Bender team and, and Cornell and David, so I'm just really really stoked and excited about this opportunity, and, and I think we're going to turn this, this negative of today into a, a major positive. And, you know, you're listening to him. We need, just today someone said, we need to bring in new leaders, new advocates. Well, here's one right now that will make a difference. Uh, and, Michael, getting back to that training you do, like how are you getting this news out? I mean, how do people get in touch with you? Well, you know, I mean, what, what is it you're doing? Yeah, I mean, first, I would definitely encourage everybody to hit us up at beaudacious.com. Uh, beaudacious.com. To be audacious means to be bold, courageous, uninhibited, unrestrained, without restriction to prior ideas, highly inventive. I mean, to me, that's what this is all about. Um, and that's what we need to inspire in, in a new surge of, of, of voices and, and continue to, to work together on these ever important issues. And so you can hit us up at beaudacious.com. Definitely Facebook and Twitter. You know, I post a, a thought of the day, and we're just trying to do whatever we can to, to inspire people because Be Audacious is more than a brand. Uh, it's a movement. And together, uh, we can pursue our passion, we can live a life that matters, and we can change a world. So I would encourage everybody to, to get in touch with me at BeAudacious.com. Um, it, it, it shares more about my presentations and and how um, you know I I can come team up with 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 organizations and efforts to uh, get out there and inspire a new surge and uh, and definitely hit us up on Facebook and Twitter I think to get to get a thought of the day because that's what we we need right now is uh, a new surge in this movement and that's what Be Audacious is all about you know I, I say to people all the time this is more than a brand it's a movement and I think now more than ever being on on this uh, show here today, I see the, the importance of, of doing just that. Well, the analogy I would use here, David, is you already worked as a park ranger and you already worked specifically in the area of uh, grizzly bears. So guess what? You have a new bear. Well, we got we and we're going we to have a new bear, and we're going to have to bring that. We're going to have to bring that tenacity. We're going to have to bring that audacious spirit and inspire young people to, in the words of of the great Joyce Bender, my my mentor, who I love very much, Miss Joyce here. We're going to have to help them to unleash their muchness. 
Yeah, that's right. And I certainly certainly believe there is so much power in in places like Yellowstone. And I think you've experienced that firsthand. We need those places that can be a source of inspiration for us. And, you know, Terry Tempest Williams once said, if you know wilderness in the same way you know love, you'd be unwilling to let it go. This is the story of our past, and it will be the story of our future. And, And we like to say in Yellowstone country that if we were to ever lose the grizzly, we'd be just another Colorado. It may be big, it may be rugged, it may be beautiful, but the wild pulse that animals like grizzlies, wolves, and bison bring to the Yellowstone ecosystem would be missing. And and for myself, as a Norman McLean disciple who's mesmerized and haunted by waters, uh, I think that's one of the things that's so special about Yellowstone is it has the power to inspire people to connect to the natural world, but ultimately it has a much greater mission than that. I think places like that, getting out and connecting with the natural world, help uplift us and and touch our soul. And I can tell you one of my favorite all-time memories in Yellowstone occurred with you back in August of 2011 when we had spent six hours patiently and persistently (laughs) casting some very finicky and picky Yellowstone cutthroat trout on the Lamar River in the heart of the Lamar Valley. And and all of that patience paid off when you delicately laid that foam hopper uh, into that seam and hooked into and landed that 16-inch brilliantly colored and heavily spotted Yellowstone cutthroat trout. And it was uh, it was pure magic. And that, that for me is certainly my favorite part of Yellowstone is, is that it's it's magic. And so to see someone out there who who's out there working so hard on these causes who lives daily with epilepsy out there doing um, what what many would think not possible out there hiking a mile and getting out into the wilds of Yellowstone and uh, and hooking into that beautiful tri- trout and fat- fighting it like a champ and landing it and releasing it gracefully uh, I think that's an empowering story in and of itself to help help young people think big and, and and dream bigger and I think that's what this is this is all about that's what you're sharing Cornell David and uh, right now that that message is more important than ever yes it is it is and that was a very special day for me i must tell you that michael i do want to ask you a question you know you talked about how you were ashamed before about your learning disability and if any schools or universities uh, any parents listening to the show i cannot think of a better person to speak before a group of young people than michael leach uh, but, Michael, many of these people are being bullied terribly, um, and many of them are ashamed uh, to talk about their disability. It's very difficult for them. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, I think it's just, you know, the, the, the social stigma is incredibly challenging. I think, you know, it was very difficult for me um, as a student to, you know, struggle with a learning disability and to have to uh, go into, you know, uh, a, a, a specific classroom that where I could get that additional help or to go take the untimed testing in the SAT and I think it's just any any time you're 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 different any time um, that that you don't uh, fit the mold it takes an audacious spirit uh, to 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 push forward with tenacity uh, with drive and so I think it can be uh, just just challenging to uh, constantly be confronted with people who misinterpret um, what it means to to live and I think thrive with with a disability and so uh, I think you know far too often uh, many many of us end up um, 
keeping our struggles to ourselves, you know, and uh, and I think that's that's something that by sharing uh, by sharing the struggles that that many of us face, we can inspire young people to get out there and and uh, and share their story and and not be. Uh, ashamed and and I certainly you know struggled with that through through much of my twenties you know living living in uh, Montana and and being in in the guide world which is certainly a, a very um, you know a, a world where everybody's strong and fit and active and uh, and struggling with some of the things I did on a, on a daily basis it, it took a, a lot of time for me to really be able to share that and I think again there's just a, a misunderstanding out there often in, in the general general public and and I think uh you know that that's what we have to continue to do here is continue to um create create greater awareness and and uh help inspire young people to to get out there and recognize that uh this this is not a weakness we can look at the flip side and we can turn this into a major strength yes yeah well young there are many young people as I mentioned with disabilities who are uh, ashamed and who are bullied and who sort of hide in the shadows. Um, it, it, for those listening to the show today, you know, what advice do you have for them, Michael? Well, I would tell them to not let their disabilities define them. You know that that uh, you know they are audacious, and whether they recognize it yet or not, inside each and every one of us is is an audacious soul uh, waiting to be seen and heard. And and I, you know I've shared this message with so many young people who have had uh, tremendous obstacles to overcome, and uh, it seems those with the biggest op- obstacles are, are often the ones who who uh, get it most. And so, uh, you know, I think through adversity, we become stronger. We become more steadfast in our belief that we can overcome. And, uh, you know, I I, I once wrote for a group of students, authenticity, humility, and compassion. Uh, These are the characteristics that I look for and the people I will surround myself with. Take time to pick up those that are down. Have compassion for all living beings. You can walk with a swagger and shower the world with humble grace. And so I, I think it's absolutely important for, for, for all of us to recognize that uh, with or without a disability, we can walk with a swagger, uh, with our head held, head held high, and shower the world with humble grace. Great advice. That is you. You are Mr. Spiritual. <laughs> That's why your just so you know his nickname's the Rev, and you can see why his nickname is the Rev. Well, I I have to ask you, Michael, knowing how much you loved Yellowstone, yeah, how in the heck are you now in Hawaii? Although, don't get me wrong, people may be listening are saying, Joyce, what do you mean? Why wouldn't he be in Hawaii? But you know, wasn't that a little bit of a hard move for you? Oh, it's been it's been one of the the scariest and most daunting things I've I've ever embarked upon. I mean, yes, it's it's the Aloha, it's the land of the Aloha. It's beautiful, it, it, it's spirited. Uh, but as you know, I'm a deep believer in the power of place, and uh, there is certainly a gravitational pull to Yellowstone, the like of which I haven't experienced anywhere else. And I like to start each of my Yellowstone sermons by saying, Yellowstone. 
just that word has something sacred to it, something sacred in its meaning. And I firmly believe that Yellowstone is a holy place for those whose temples are the mountains and the wilderness. And so um, this has certainly been, uh, you know, a scary endeavor. But, you know, it was, it, was, it was a great challenge, and I think it was bold and daring for me to leave my dream job with the National Park Service when I founded Yellowstone Country Guardians back in 2007. Uh, but that proved to be one of the most rewarding and meaningful five years of my life as we work to inspire and motivate youth to become active and engaged guardians of Yellowstone. And I certainly would be lying if I didn't, didn't uh, express how intimidating uh, this, this move has been um, and, and, and leaving a place that really uh, provided me so much of my identity and sense of self-worth. And, and, and that was one of the most powerful components for Yellowstone is when I, I didn't realize how difficult the, the, the struggles each and every day of going into the classroom, uh, how, how, how much that challenged my sense of confidence and competence. Uh, and then to be diagnosed, you know, I, I leaned very heavily on my athletic accomplishments. And then when I was diagnosed with spondylitis and have faced the challenges I have, Yellowstone very much became my source. Um, and, and a sense of identity for me. And so, so it's certainly scary, but Yellowstone Country will always be home to me, and, and I look forward to returning with great anticipation. Uh, but for now, my wife and I are on the beautiful island of Kauai with our five-year-old, and I'm utilizing this writing sabbatical to focus on a couple book projects and, and the Be Audacious brand and Be Audacious movement and working with uh, uh, members of, the, of Team BA on some projects that we're really excited about that we believe have huge potential to make a big difference while inspiring ambassadors of our planet and leaders in our communities. So we'll be back to Yellowstone. Uh, we'll be back back soon, I'm sure. Now, when you say we'll be back, do you think you'll ever move back there? Or oh, just visit yeah, there? without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that would that's that's that that's always been the plan. You know, I've got uh, I've got my roots there are are much too deep uh, to ever leave Yellowstone. My, my daughter's, you know, uh, depending on how you look at a fourth to fifth generation Idaho, Montana, Wyoming girl, and I definitely plan to to raise her in the the wild. Uh, enigmatic confines of, of yellow, the Yellowstone ecosystem. So, yes, we, we, we'll definitely be back. Oh, well, we can't wait till you come back. And but I will be meantime, back in the summer. I will be back in August because I be plan on this August. Achilles getting, getting better here in this warm weather, and I'm going to be back to guide you on, on the Yellowstone River and out, on the Lamar, out in the Lamar oh, Valley. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that is so, great news. So I already let I already let Mr. Rat, Matson Rogers and Anglers West uh, know that that there's a there's a, a few trips that I will certainly um, that I'm keeping on the books and and my my trip with uh, the, the Bender team will certainly be one of them. Well, that is awesome, and you know, this is a great person. I want to I want to tell you. If you have a group of young people or a college, whatever it is, where you want to bring in a motivational speaker, this is the person, Michael Leach. And as a matter of fact, as the chair of AAPD, we will be bringing him uh, at the beginning of next year. We'll just work out the dates with him here to D.C. to speak with these young, uh, young people, uh, college students with disabilities. And we're going to try to get him to Pittsburgh to speak to other groups. I'm telling you, trust me, he will inspire those young people like you can't imagine he will inspire them. 
So while you're down there resting, you're working on your books. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Because your mother's an, um, an author, and here you are now writing. What, what are you working on? Yeah, well, you know, one, one thing I just wanted to uh, touch upon, you know, because I've been so inspired by your work. And as you know, we, we, we had a, a very um, – it was a very emotional and uh, – uh, it was a transformational heart-to-heart, I would say, when we sat for four hours together this August along the banks of the, the Yellowstone River. And, you know, I had been through uh, the most challenging uh, eight months that, that I have in my 14 years with, with ankylosing spondylitis and certainly had, had, I think, been almost antagonistic towards my spondylitis. I had been uh, so much in denial. And, and, you know, I shared with you the fact that I'm, I'm learning to embrace this and I, and I want to be a champion for those with with disabilities that I want to be an advocate. I want to follow in your footsteps and team up with the the the, the bend the bender crew because you know, you know I, I look at the accommodations that were afforded to me uh, by legislation with the Americans with Disability Act and and without that I wouldn't have gotten through college, let alone graduated with high honors. So I, I feel so indebted. Um, that I, I not only believe I have an opportunity, but a responsibility uh, to be a voice and advocate to ensure a level, leveling of the playing field for people uh, with special needs. And, uh, you know, it, it was just this year that I finally developed the audacity to share my story of living with a learning disability and with ankylosing spondylitis. And the first time I did that was at Diversity Week at Hellgate High School in Missoula, Montana this year. And, I, you know, I was worried... You know how how it would be taken. You know by these young people. Are they ready to, to ready to hear these struggles? I was up there in a walking boot cast, and I was blown away by um, how much it touched many of those young people. But there was one girl in particular that she waited. And she was the last to, to come up with me. There was a group waiting to talk to me afterwards and, you know, could see that she really wanted extended time. So she waited till last and kept letting people go ahead of her. And she sat down and, and uh, you know, she was very emotional. And she shared how she struggles. She was 16 years old with an arthritic condition and, and she, how hearing someone else who's out pursuing their passion and, and uh, attempting to live a life that matters, how inspiring that was and how she has not felt comfortable sharing that with other people. And so, um, so again, I, I couldn't be more excited to be here. And, and that's something that I really hope to, um, I hope to share those stories in my writing. And so, um, yes, my mom's an author, and uh, her, her her most recent book she she writes environmental thrillers, and her most recent book is is out right now in stores. It's probably in airports and grocery stores throughout the country. It's certainly at Amazon.com. It's called Trapped, and her name is April Christofferson, and it's a very powerful powerful read. And um, my writing odyssey began a very long and uplifting adventure uh, back when I was in college. And I love to share with students that during my motivational presentations that I was tested as reading at a third grade level when I was a junior in high school. And now I'm speaking and, and writing for a living. And, and since graduating University of Montana in, in 2005, and I was a little, I uh, took the non-traditional path. I was a little older when I graduated. I've been writing natural history pieces for a number of regional magazines. And now I'm working on uh, three separate book projects that have me really excited. And if all goes according to plan, the first will be released uh, next next year. Uh, it's a book of Yellowstone essays called Grizzlies on My Mind. 
and I'm uh, currently working on two additional projects. And one is the first in a series of Be Audacious motivational books, and this first one will be written for young adults. Um, and it's about uh, inspiring their legacy and living a life that matters. And the second is more of a spiritual adventure odyssey about my time in Yellowstone and my struggles, uh, both uh, physically and uh, emotionally, uh, with the, the challenges of living with, with AS while seeking meaningful work that makes a difference. And let me tell you what, Michael is all about inclusion. Uh, for those of us in the disability community, let me say, he included all groups, and that would include Native Americans, which, mm. as we know, have the highest disability uh, levels of all groups. And, uh, Michael, you did so much to reach out uh, when you, with your basketball and with your Guardians group that I always thought that was so phenomenal um, that you were such an inclusive person. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's growing up with April Christopherson as as my mom. You know, she was always about inclusivity, and um, we 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 always had young people living at the house when I was in high school who uh, you know may may come from a, a more challenging challenging background and just um you know I've always called her the mother teresa of animals she there's there's no stray that that she won't welcome into the home and and that's that's four legged or two legged uh maybe even finned and and winged these days but so uh, definitely I'm a big believer in inclusivity and in my work with Yellowstone Country Guardians um I, I felt like we really needed to uh bridge bridge cultural divides and, and really um, create a platform for local communities to discuss the issues facing their home and to really proactively assist them in determining their own future through, uh, through a more in, in, inclusive um, style of in, in environmental programming. And, and I'm certainly very reverent of, of the Native peoples, uh, the indigenous peoples of, of North America, uh, certainly here in Hawaii and uh, on this garden island of Kauai. But, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to uh, spend uh, a lot of time with, with a, a traditional Navajo family that has taken me in as, as an adopted brother, um, a, a Lummi family, um, the the... Uh, Assiniboine Grovant uh, tribe up in Fort Belknap, uh, you know, one of their members who's, who's played an important role in my life. And then as a basketball coach in, in Montana, you know, we've, we've certainly had the privilege of, of competing against some, some uh, of the, the, the Indian, the Indian teams from across the region. And, you know, I think in, in many regards, uh, I, I think far too often uh, they they, they can be, um, uh, you know, almost. I think their struggles on the Indian reservations are, are sometimes it almost seems as if they are in in terms of our our, our government and um, you know our I think our culture almost as if they're a forgotten people. You know, where you know we talk about ghettos and we talk about you know the struggles in some of the rural communities, but but the the many of the native reservations, as you say, have you know incredibly high rates of of disability, and uh, I think often um, you know. They they are uh, you know they're they're put in in places and and land has land has been been taken from them that traditionally was was you know their land it was sacred land and I think that they're 
some of the the wisest and most important voices that we have in our country today are of uh, of indigenous descent or of the native peoples and it's important to uh, be very inclusive and and learn from those cultures that have been here for so long and to um, provide a platform for them to be empowered and to teach us and to um, to share their wisdom and so the inclusive inclusivity I think is absolutely essential to this entire movement that you you so uh, bravely champion. Well, Michael, at your very young age, and by the way, I asked these last two questions over the past nine years to every okay. guest, but at your young age, you've been a park ranger at Yellowstone, a trainer, a fly fishing guide, uh, and an author, a speaker. So. Yeah. Of all of these great things you've done, you have accomplished so much already in your young life. What, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, first of all, thank you, Joyce. I, you know, I look up to you in, in, in every way, and so it's very, very humbling um, and motivating to, to, to hear you uh, speak so, so glowingly of, of what I've attempted to achieve. But for me, you know, working with young people and giving teens direction and hope that they can make a difference has certainly been the most fulfilling um, part of my work. And, you know, seeing anyone, but especially young people and especially people with hardships or obstacles that have worn them down and rocked them of their confidence, adopt an audacious attitude and outlook has been incredibly meaningful. And, and working with rural teens from Park County, north of Yellowstone National Park, and seeing them go from disconnected to engaged guardians of the Yellowstone ecosystem and involved with contentious issues such as bison, wolf, and grizzly bear management in, in the Yellowstone ecosystem, or, or seeing inner, inner city kids come to Yellowstone, a place that previously had no meaning or value to them, and, and watching them become inspired uh, to become ambassadors and to go out and discover a passion and make a difference in the world uh, has certainly represented the, the, the white gas that fuels my fire, if you will. Uh, but, but even more than that, I think what I'm most proud of is uh, the, the be audacious message and how it's helped young people to recognize that they can be and do anything and that it's inside of them and it's waiting to be tapped and that uh, they simply have to believe in themselves. And, and ultimately, I just feel incredibly blessed that I've had the opportunity to, to work in Yellowstone and to discover meaningful work by advocating on behalf of wild places and young people who, who represent our future. And uh, those young people, in turn, have given me uh, the most uh, memorable, special, and, and, and certainly meaningful moments of my life. Yes. And you, I know you mean it, and you certainly did a lot in that area. Yeah, yeah. So, Michael, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Wow. Oh, oh, you know, first of all, I just want to say it's, an, it's a tremendous honor. It's very humbling to be uh, here and to be embarking upon this journey and joining this movement. And, you know, I think I, I find myself often, uh, I'm going to paraphrase Aldous Huxley here, but uh, he said something along the lines of, it's not what happens to us that matters, it's what we make of it that matters. Mm -hmm. And for everyone living with a disability, you know, it, you know, it can be a challenge. And uh, until recently, you know, I didn't have the courage to follow my own 
be audacious message when it came to my disabilities. Instead, I lived a life of denial, uh, but I've been inspired by all the brave men, women, and children who are thriving in the face of challenges much more daunting than mine, which ultimately helped me to understand that you know, my disabilities aren't what I've been dealt. You know, they, they, they simply are what I've been dealt. You know, they're nothing more, they're nothing less, and it's how I choose to see them that will define whether or not I, I can live a life that matters. And so I think for everyone who's out there living with a disability, I would say that they're the real heroes. And, you know, Martin Luther King once said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at moments of challenge and controversy. And I would argue there's few challenges greater than living with uh, a disability, but that therein really lies the power of the human spirit. Because with Well, Michael, it has been awesome to have you on the show. And we end every show with a quote from someone that has impacted lives of people with disabilities. So today, in in, uh, reference to the CRPD, President Barack Obama said, disability rights does not end at our nation's shore. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.